doesn't no, it? No, I know it, it does. It gets all kind of out yeah. of place. And I think it gets worse as you get older. You think so? I think everything gets worse now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you know uh, Jerry Doucette? You know, he died. Who's Mama that? Let Him Play? Mama Let Him Play guy died. Yeah, he's 70. Died. The what? Guy? Mama Let Him Mama Play. Let him play. Dan, you do it. Uh, I don't remember. Said rock and roll. Da, I, don't, da, 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 I don't know what you're da, talking da, da, da. about. Um, it's a CanCon song that you, yeah. you must okay. have heard of. Well, I'm sure I times. have. Now, as soon as I play it for him, he's going to know it. This, or, or, I mean, it was a Western Canadian. I, I want to say it was a... I know we played it. Mama, let him play. Mama, let him play. Jerry Doucette. Yeah, this was definitely CanCon. Good intro for rock disc jockeys. <laughs> Here's two set. Boom. 97.3. He's just a baby. <laughs> I remember this. You not remember this, Frederick? Yeah. I never cared much for that song. Yeah, well, we should have played it 4,000 times like we did. Yeah. This is one of those songs where we pass Don't Care For It about Spin 3,000. Listen, I I feel bad that he's dead at the young age of 70. Yes, sir. Uh, But I never cared much for that song. Yeah. Well, it's hard to say. I think there was a time early on in my... DJ career, I probably liked it because it, I I liked yelling over the intro. But I know me, Dan, Lumby, Kingsbury. This was definitely Western Canadian CanCon, and for some reason, Dan, I, I want to say he's from Winnipeg, but he's probably not. He's probably from uh, I really don't know. Is he a Montrealer? Is he a Quebecer? Anyway, um, yeah. anyway, welcome everybody. Uh, yeah. This is the pre-show. Dan Duran will be back uh, sooner than usual because Fred's got to go get this Montreal to Hamilton. Oh yeah, so he was uh, he was a Cana- uh, French Canadian guy. Uh, Fred's got to go get something taken off his leg. Mm-hmm. Is it just one thing, or do you have them all over your body now? Well, I had them on my arms. I had them all lopped off, and then a similar thing grew on my leg, but. <laughs> somewhat larger so today it's going to be they'll take a chunk and biopsy it and biopsy, yeah. i'll go back in and have it lopped off Edmund- hey, it's common common well, it is you know, i was gonna say edmonton steve has these lumpy deposits I, I think on his arm somewhere he had to have it looked at i only bring that up because it's just you know you get older and it's like what is all this stuff on me I, the only person i know that has nothing wrong with him is dan Dan's just completely pain-free. <laughs> However, I remember Dan for a while had those varicose veins that looked very angry and very sore or painful. And you did have them pulled out, right, Dan? Yeah, I still have on one of my legs. I have a few varicose veins, but it was not, you know, it never caused me any pain. I just, you know, I tried to get rid of the ugliness. That's all. Well, of course. Yes. <laughs> you can't be damned right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Although, you know, when Dan's wearing shorts, that's not the veins people are looking at. Nah. Uh, I recall yeah. taking you to that appointment, did I not, Daniel? 
Uh, you were there for because uh, I was freaked out because I don't ever remember being put under the uh, anesthetic before. So you uh, you guided me through that. You, you all my operations. Show <laughs> sure. But but that one in particular, I just mine as well. I, well. I like to listen. I like to be in the room when they're putting you guys under. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back together. Yeah. He was he was in he was uh, in the room. And they peeled back my corneas. That was interesting. That was my first operation with him. Right, the laser, right. and he was in the room when I had my uh, tits reduced. One of my Size. favorite, one of my favorite yeah. afternoons that we've ever spent together. Yes, <laughs> and I may have forgot a few other procedures. Well, I, I was you. there when you woke up uh, from the anesthetic after your back surgery. I was in the hospital with you. You weren't there for my. Um, uh, prostate biopsy when he shoved the gun up my ass and fired no, I, I, Were you there for that? I wasn't there, but I was watching it on uh, you know streaming. I when people were streaming that. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you have now, Fred, is this something you're going to get more and more of? I hope so. You Yummy! You know what? Daddy... Danny's over on the weekend and we're sitting there and I the subject came up and I showed him he goes, Ooh, reminds me of Grandma Junie. <laughs> so great. Damn. So it's hereditary, these growths. <laughs> um, but outside of your varicose veins, which you just had I I for some reason every time I pass it on the East Mall, I think, is where there's that little clinic or a part of Trillium there, Dan, that's where you had it done. Oh really? Oh, right, yeah. And I remember yeah. picking you up, and you were... It wasn't painful before, but was it painful after you had it done? Eh, not really. A little bit. But it was, you know, the whole thing grossed me out. You know, because they pull, they pull out your veins. So it's and I'm, It's interesting, you don't need those veins. Uh, they, I guess other ones take the slack. You know, take out the... Didn't the, they... Wasn't that procedure... Because I think our buddy Brian Collins had it done, too. Did he not? I think it, he did, yeah. And yeah, they actually did. nip the top of your legs, and they grab the vein and pull it out through a hole in the top yeah. of your leg or something? Like, yeah. it's, it is gross. <laughs> Thanks for... Well... Yeah, I'm sure. Everybody I, listening right now is going, can you describe this in greater No, detail? see, the funny thing is, well, I don't find it... skipping I, rope. Hmm? I don't find it gross at all. I just find it fascinating. And whenever I hear about operations like that, and, and by the way, for you people who don't know, I was actually in the, the operating theater the day they sucked all the juice out of Fred's boobs, which was honestly one of my most fascinating days. But I always wonder, who's the first person that went, I know what we can do <laughs> with these veins. Well, what, what's that? Well, we can snip off the top and pull them out of your leg. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to be the first. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I want to be the first person. Yeah, the rest just, of people in the room going, "Nah, that's nah, I don't know if you should do." That. <laughs> just think I don't think that sounds like a good idea. Now that I think of it, they had to. They have to go low and snip it, and then go high and snip it, and then pull. Hmm. So they have to release them from the bottom and then pull them out of the top or something. I remember I, I, I remember you telling me about the procedure, and it's one of those things where you're just going, ah. Yeah. And well, you that's were, why you're not awake for it. I was going to say, you were completely <laughs> under for that. But, you know, there was a time, you know, some number of years ago where someone saw those veins or had a, a, a patient with them, and a friend said, I think what, I think what we could do is take the vein completely out of yeah. the leg and then the patient had to go yeah sure have you done this before no but yeah, you know what go guys go ahead just go ahead and take the vein out of my leg oh exactly and they proposed it to dan that's exactly what he yeah. said listen i'm dan duran i cannot be walking around with these ugly miracles <laughs> veins in my legs why should i have a perfect top and then be flawed on the bottom 
Uh-huh. Was it uh, seriously though, Dan? Did it bother you visually, or was it because I, 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 you said it didn't hurt you? But I, from what I understand, that some people with varicose veins, it does. It's quite painful. You know, it was like it was half cosmetic, half you know. If I ever, if you know, I ever get you know. There's a the veins were right on my calf, so if ever I damage my, you know, I cut a vein, then I'd be, you know, kind of out of luck for, I don't know, it seems like a lot of bleeding or whatever. So it just was kind of a dual thing to to have it taken care of. Any problems with the main vein? No, things are fine there. Thanks oh, okay. for asking, Fred. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good, good to have a checkup every once in a while on these oh, kinds of things. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. well, there's got to you know. be. We've got to get to a point where we leave this. We, we leave the spot on that hour. <laughs> do we not get to a point where we leave the? the oh, that. It's so unique. They have to keep an eye on it. <laughs> For, you know, to help, Dan, I just to want you to know, science. Dan, I'm lobbying every day to put to, to put an end <laughs> to put an end to this sure line. I am. Okay. All right, let's get the show started, and then Dan will come back, and then he'll go away, and then Fred's going to go away, and he's going to stay. And Dan Duran, This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Hummagrin? From a pomegranate. Pomegranate. Hummagrin Bomagee. From Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the western shores of Shimong Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, and Health Gauge. And now here are two men who are celebrating 420 by saying 10-4, good bud, and firing up some flour like they always do before the show. It's Humble and Fred. Uh, thanks for that, Dan. And uh, maybe... We, I, I actually put down a couple things that I wanted to talk to Dan about when he fills in for Fred. Jackie Budden is, speaking of which, you know, Bud in, uh, is our guest today. She works with the government, uh, uh, and she'll be talking to us about this character, Pierre Polyev. But Dan, I want to uh, just get your head uh, around the idea that and when you come back, uh, in, when Fred goes to get his thing last, I want to talk about um, our life together, smoking weed. And how weird it is, even to this day for me, to be able to go into a, a store. Sometimes I have to stop mm-hmm. myself. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you, there's one every block here in Brandon. <laughs> Freddie, it's unbelievable, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm seeing them, like, everywhere I go now, they're popping up like like these gross on my leg. <laughs> gross. You gross. Um, hey, I drove down Queen Street, yes, uh, on the weekend with Rachel to help Charlie move and we had that conversation from my house all the way to like Trinity Bellwoods I said to her there weren't this many drug dealers when I was where were all the drug dealers when Dan and I were looking for drugs <laughs> um, yeah but I was discussing this again with uh, our buddy Darren uh, last week and he was uh, you know he made note of that too all these places and then I said, wouldn't you be pissed if you were one of the guys that got a store license? Because, like, it's beyond, to me, the saturation is way over the top. Like, even in this little neighborhood I'm at, there's three or four. I, I'm not sure what your question is. They all have store licenses. No, they're, not what a, I'm saying, they're not illegal, are they? No, no. What I'm saying, wouldn't, wouldn't you be annoyed if you got one and then found out the government gave so many? Because here in this area, there's about four stores, so it's Oh, like, I see you mean in the lottery. Uh, they vote. Well, however it's worked, how, how in, a, in my little area alone, there's like four stores, so they're all, 
you know, it's tough to make a go of it with there's that much much competition, I would think. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a good conversation. And if we ever get uh, Andy Palalis back from uh, Canna Cabana, I'd like to talk mm-hmm. to him about that. Because I, I said to Rachel, I said, you know, even though there's this many stores... I suspect there's still there's still enough people who are looking for weed because there's right. not as many stores. And I was trying to make this clunky joke about drug dealers, but there's still not as many stores as there were drug dealers. So there's clearly a, a clientele. Um, Daniel, so let's talk about that because I just was thinking about all the different places together separately. All the times we had to find somebody that had weed. Uh, in our youth and how if you got weed, it was scary to have weed. Anyway, Dan's, Dan's going to come back actually before the news and fill in while Fred goes and has a procedure. Thanks, Daniel. You know, uh, off the top there, he mentioned Bodog. And, uh, yes. You know, the Raptors, we haven't mentioned them yet, down 2 nothing to the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, and remember, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal predicted they'd be swept, and everybody was upset at that. And mm-hmm. boy, I'll tell you, it looks like that could happen. Tonight, they're back at the Scotiabank Arena, Howard. And uh, Jurassic Park uh, is open again, so that whole thing, you know, where everybody goes down, not only in the arena, but outside and cheers and carries on and has a good time. Remember those pre-COVID days when oh, that happened? Yes. Well, it's back. Anyway, the wraps, uh, again... Uh, the underdog tonight, they pay $115 to win. Now, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. So the Raptors home tonight, but a slight underdog. And the Leafs are uh, wrapping things up with a few more regular season games. Where will they finish in the, uh, not that it matters, but I am curious, where do they finish in the standings? Well, it looks like they're going to finish second in the division and maybe second in the conference. They've been on a tear lately, got to say. I think they've won 11 of their last 13 games. They've set a club record for most victories in a season, most points in a season. They just keep piling up the uh, accolades. But again... Nothing matters until the playoffs. What about, uh, well, but where they finish obviously determines who they played. Is it starting to line up? Who are they going to play? Looks like Tampa Bay. And that's not good. They'll have home ice advantage against the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, it's not good. Um, did Are they going to finish ahead of Tampa Bay in the standings, though? Yes. They're oh. eight points ahead of them right now. But the problem is with Tampa Bay, they've won two Stanley Cups. So they're just, you know what I mean? They're almost bored with the process now. (laughs) When the Lightning get to the playoffs, you're going to see a lot different team than we've seen over the past few weeks. You know, they got the playoffs secured. They've proved they can win on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's trouble for them. And they have a great goalie. Yeah. Leafs will be in tough. Speaking of sports, um, and I'm not going to go and talk about golf. You remember Kurt Warner, don't you? Yes, I do. St. Louis Rams before the uh, Rams went back to L.A. First uh, pro team he ever uh, suited up for was Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Is that right? Yeah. Because, you know, I thought you were going to say the arena football uh, team. Uh, no. The Barnstormers was his oh. arena football team. He won a 
Arena Football Championship. I didn't realize he'd mm-hmm. played in the CFL. Yeah, not long. Just uh-huh. dabbled. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was familiar with his story. Just I remember him being a, a great quarterback. I, I wasn't. I didn't know all the details. And I, I've told you before, I love, I love sports movies. I just do. I always have, whether it's Field of Dreams. It doesn't even matter the sport, to be honest with you. I, I, I remember falling in love with this movie years ago with Gene Hackman called Hoosiers. Yes. About Indiana basketball. And I always loved movies like this. And it mm-hmm. came from when I was a kid. I used to love reading sports biographies. So I was sort of familiar with the Kurt Warner story. And then I... I remember there. I was, I, this is part of a conversation I wanted to have with you, a bigger one about how there's. I just don't know what to watch anymore. I am. I almost sent you a note yesterday. What are you watching? Because I, I, I'm like fuck. I have nothing. There's nothing that's exciting me right now in terms of the wider scape of. Is, what are people watching? I don't know. Honestly, the Blue Jays. Yeah, that's what I watched. Like again last night, and flipping back and forth with the. The Leafs, but mostly the Blue Jays. I'm intrigued, although they didn't play very well last night. Plus, my wife loves the Blue Jays. I just love the fact that my wife says to me, "Is there a Jays game on tonight?" and sits and watches watches it with me. So for the whole three and a half hours, right. hmm? for the whole three and a half hours, sure. Plus, I, I should mention my brother in law and sister in law recommended a British show called um, The Split. Okay, it's about divorce lawyers. It's a British drama i guess well to your point and by the way if you're i I don't we just so you know neither of us check the facebook stream during the show i usually check it after to make sure it recorded but if you're if you're on there if you want to just i'd be i'd appreciate it just some suggestions because you know we started watching this british drama with lady mary from downton abbey it's called uh, anatomy of a scandal you know it's okay you know, I was saying to Rachel because I was talking to her, "Are you going to watch it?" I, like, it's all right. Anyways, th- so if you're if you have some recommendations, we'll look after and and uh, share it with our uh, Facebook people. Anyway, back to Kurt Warner. So, in this sort of idea of it, I don't have anything to watch. I remember this movie, American Underdog, and it's a story of Kurt Warner. You know, college player wasn't drafted. I didn't know about Saskatchewan because they don't mention it in the movie. But he, he was basically stocking shelves, and five years later was the MVP, not only of the regular season, but of the Super Bowl as well. In fact, I think he won two Super Bowls, and just a remarkable story. And if you like sports movies like me, as a sports movie, it's pretty good. It's got this guy, Zachary Levi or Levy, whatever. I like him. He's Kurt Warner. Uh, Randy Quaid plays Dick Vermeil. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Paquin is Warner's wife. I, I will say this just because full disclosure, it's a little bit Jesus-y because mm-hmm. Warner is a bit of a thumper. But not so much that you, it turned me completely off a few, a few times. I'm like, all right, I'm fine. Yes. God gave you all these gifts. But as a sports movie, it's pretty good. And he he plays a good quarterback. And just if you're not familiar with the story, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I I remember that during his prime. He wasted no time uh, talking about the good Lord. That's right. Being responsible for all his good fortune. Uh, I remember, yeah, that was a bit nauseating. But I'll have to check it out. Um, it It is quite the story when you think about it. 
he's the last, uh, maybe the time it's, it's happened since, but at the time he won the Super Bowl, he was the mm-hmm. only undrafted player in NFL history. Right. To get as far as he did. I don't know exactly whether it was to win the Super Bowl or the MVP, but it's pretty interesting when you think about it. That wasn't that long ago, a couple, you know, 20 years ago. Um, I'd ask you this question because I don't know about how it works these days. Would that, could that ever happen again, that some guy comes out of obscurity, plays in a couple of little, you know, professional leagues? I guess there's no reason it couldn't. It just doesn't happen very much, though. That's for sure. No, because I don't really think the structure has changed that would prevent it. You know, um, you know, it's like undrafted players become NHL stars, and which has happened, and you know, or guys that go in the eighth or ninth round and end up being better professionals than guys that were drafted in the first round. You just never know. Well, look at Brady. Wasn't Brady? He wasn't a highly drafted. Uh Pick, Off was the he? top of my head, I can't remember. But well, this is why I, I, mm-hmm. I share these things with you. I'm assuming you yeah. know. Anyway, it's uh, you know, it's I, I, I would say as a movie, it's okay, but as a sports movie, if you like that kind of thing, it's pretty good. Especially if you're not familiar with the story. Um, I, I, I keep going to watch this L.A. Lakers thing, but I'm in. It's ridiculous because I was just about to say, you know, I'm not that much of a basketball fan that I really care that much about the history. But I realize it's more than just sports history. It was it was anyway, it was just bigger than sports. That whole that whole deal. So I should take the time. Is that, you know, Freddie, is that a Netflix? I watch less. Is that a Netflix or HBO? I think it's on Crave. Okay. I, I think it's HBO on Crave. And it's called the Lakers or L.A. Lakers? Something like that. But Bill Brio had uh, right. recommended Lakers, it. Lakers um, mm-hmm. documentary. Yeah, I, I would watch that. That's part of the problem. I, I mean, you know, I don't... I kind of... I've said this to you before. My dad is kind of like you. He just watched every Blue Jay game. And the problem is I could watch a Blue Jay game for three and a half hours if it was like, hey, they're going to make the playoffs. I just don't follow it enough to spend three and a half hours on a Tuesday night. Well, I've really enjoyed not, and again, I, I, I keep saying it, like I, I feel bad. Now, I don't know why, but I've tried to push the war in Ukraine out of my brain. Every day I, I sort of get caught up at my own speed, but I'm not going to sit and watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox all night about the, the Ukraine war. I mean, it's a horrible thing. But again, I just don't need that steady diet of um, negativity or fear. Or I just so I've gotten away from that, um, you know. Because I think of all the hours I spent in front of the TV during all the Trump bullshit and the insurrection and all that, and you go to bed feeling bad. And I, I, I sort of want to cut that out, which I'm, I've done a pretty good job at. So. Uh, watching a good old ball game, I go to bed feeling pretty good. Yeah, I get it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was on my coffee table upstairs. You know, I use one of the Trump books, one of the many Trump books I read as a coaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a time where I was not only immersed watching it on television, I was reading about it on social media, then I'm reading books about it, and it's no good for your mental health. Um, but I, I, you know, I get my sort of... You know, a master's aside, I don't watch golf until usually Sunday afternoon, but I sort of get a good, you know, I'll sit there for four hours or so, five hours, 
the rest of the week, though. I, I mean, in the summertime, I'm not watching as much TV as you say. But uh, by the way, that uh, Lakers uh, documentary is called Winning Time, The Rise of the mm-hmm. Lakers Dynasty. And, and it's not just, as you say, it's not just about basketball. It's about that time no. in the in the Los Angeles uh, mm-hmm. culture and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just, it's, it seems funny. Like, I, I go on, that, like, Netflix last night, trying to find something else to watch that's exciting or I'm excited to watch. And, and even that thing I mentioned with uh, the British series, it wasn't, it's okay. Do you ever just sit down and watch, pick a subject on YouTube and then go crazy? Like, I did that the other day. With, what subject um, did you pick? It was um, Jimmy Kimmel talking about... Um, you know the Marjorie Taylor Greene thing because mm-hmm. I knew he had talked about it and then she had called the police on him and I just saw the little thing saying Jimmy Kimmel like, calls her out like you know what a hypocrite mm-hmm. all the things she attacks and the people she insults and then he says that one little thing in the spirit of comedy and she calls the cops on him. So I thought, I'm going to watch that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then that leads to this and that leads to that. And the next thing you know, you're over here, you're over there. And it's two hours goes by. And not only have you been entertained, often you've been informed as well, right? You know, I, I, do you do that on your TV? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I should do it more because I have YouTube on my television. I, just, I, I tend not to do I'll do that on my computer. Mm-hmm. But I don't tend to do it on my uh, television. And, 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 you know, to be honest, I have a, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I don't like to turn any television on in my house until after I've eaten. Like, whether right. it's 630 or 7. Mm-hmm. I even when I'm by myself. Well, I mean, with yeah. Rachel's here, we don't, oftentimes, we won't turn the television on until later. But oh, yeah. it's on never my own in the day yeah. here either. Same with them on my own, and it, mm-hmm. I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from all those years of you and I, well, for me at least, all the years of being home in the afternoon. It'd just be easy to sit there, but I never did. I, I just was this thing. I, I it came from uh, my childhood actually, where my mom would be watching her soap operas in the middle of the day. Well, when we were kids, there was nothing on during the day to watch except for soap operas. Yeah, and we weren't interested. Exactly. So it's not like. You didn't want to be out on the street inside watching TV because there was nothing to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's different nowadays, that's for sure. So anyway, uh, if you're, uh, again, I haven't checked the stream on uh, Facebook. If you've got some suggestions, you know, I'm gonna, maybe I'll check out the Lakers documentary. I wish I'd have thought of it last night because I've got Crave. I would have I dug it. Here's a suggestion, Howard. Yes, sir. If you have a small company and you've thought about a benefits package for that small company, Mm -hmm. it is doable. Uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business is the Chambers Plan, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Take some time. Learn all about it. What's available and at a price you can afford. Exactly. Right? bunch of small companies get together, uh, create the image of a large company, which means they can buy this insurance at a great price, and they've done a great job of keeping the premiums down. Very important for a small company. You know, dental, prescriptions, there's travel insurance. It's great travel insurance. Therapy, uh, the Teladoc system, now an HR component. It's all there. Do it for your people. Chamberplan.ca. Yeah, there's a couple of great suggestions on uh, our Facebook 
page. If you want to go check and see what people are suggesting. Uh, I think I mentioned, uh, speaking of documentaries, the people that did the drive to survive the F1, the excellent F1 documentary. A lot of people have seen that. Of course, our friend Fred Ball, a big F1 fan, and and I had a real appreciation for that sport after watching that show. Although we should get Ball on. I was with him a couple of weeks ago, and he's it, what bothers him about it is the it bothers him that people love that show and don't necessarily love Formula One racing. I forget exactly what his his point was, but it was quite compelling at the time through a few beers. <laughs> I bet it was. But, but he well, thinks it's sort, of, it's sort of cheap that people are just into that. They're not real Formula One fans. We should get him on the show one day to explain it. Well, I, I don't know if I can see that because, I again, my my only mm-hmm. I, I never watched any Formula One until I saw that. And I was intrigued by it as a as a completely outside observer. And I don't know what his problem would be if it attracts people to the sport. What I was going to say is the people that produced it are now filming an entire season on the PGA Tour. Maybe I'll feel like ball like, you know, it won't represent the tour as I know it, whatever but it's, I, I that's something I'm looking forward to because this is unprecedented the PGA Tour doesn't normally give right. this kind of access Well, ball's just an F1 snobbing <laughs> But anyway, He's Howard, not alone, um, by if the I way. don't leave now, I'll, I'll have to drive like an just, F I'll have to drive like an F1 um, just go to, to the hospital to have my uh, thing, Lance. L- well, listen. You know, as All your right. as one you of your there. No, as one of your primary physicians. All right. I just wish you well. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the best to you and your I family. I wish I could have worked on this scheduling, but I was a yeah, uh, prisoner right. to the system. Oh yeah, okay. you're a prisoner. Let me uh, let me just text Dan and say uh, you coming back. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. There's Fred. He's off to get his uh, his thing taken off. Oh, there's Dan Duran. I don't really get that. I mean, I understand if you don't. I mean, if you're a, a purist in your sport, and uh, F1 is one of those things where I had no idea. I had really no idea the depth of, uh, you know, how much people love it. But after watching uh, a season of that, I certainly had an appreciation for the sport. And I remember, I remember calling Fred Ball. And having a conversation saying, dude, I had no idea. I had no idea how athletic the people who drive those cars are. You don't think about it, right? You think, oh, how, how tough can driving a car be? I do it all the time. Oh, that's what I think. Now it's hard, though. <laughs> well, it's, you you're, you got to stay. I, the thing that I've always thought about is you, for whatever length of time those races are, you've got to stay 100% focused. You cannot. You can't stray or start thinking about life or anything while you're doing that you're, you've got to be <laughs> so focused no you, you're probably <laughs> oh, not enjoying look at that yeah i don't think they're Can't like that. Gee, i wonder what's I wonder what i'm gonna have for dinner part of the problem <laughs> is it, it's a lot more physically demanding than i think i understood but it's also one of those things where i guess you're you know and you make a good point about the focus because if you take your focus off what you're doing in an f1 race you probably you know will die I mean, that is, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Listen, we're all, we're all take a chance every day with our mortality. You don't know. You don't know if this is the day one of your, you know, veins in your legs pops and you go into, you, you have a stroke. Do you ever worry 
Because you li- I know your son's there a lot of the time, but you spend some time there alone out in the wilderness. Do you ever worry about, like, hitting your head and just, like, falling down alone and you, you, no one's going to find you? Clifford's going to be eating one of your eye sockets? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think about that. You don't? What, no, but yeah, I, what hey, I have... Me, me <clears throat> either, then. <laughs> no, but what I have started to do is think about the consequence of, like, okay, if I go out on my canoe... Yes. Then I, got, I make sure I let somebody know, or if I'm climbing up a ladder... Uh, you know, to do some tree work or something, I'll tell somebody that I'm doing that just in case they go, well, where's, where's Dan? Haven't and seen Dan. Dan yeah. Was, yeah. Haven't seen Dan. Do you have like, oh, well, he was out canoeing. Cause you're very big into apps. Do you have an app? There should be an app like uh, canoe buddy where when you're going to go canoeing, you text your canoe buddy and say, okay, just so you know, I'm, <laughs> I've got a, okay, maybe you wouldn't need a whole app for it. No, yeah. <laughs> Find my canoe. <laughs> Who's your I, do put my, I do put my phone in a Ziploc bag when I go out in the... Of course just you in do. case, if I tip this thing over, I don't want my phone to die. Plus, I want it to sort of float a little. Yeah, for sure. You know, because I'm out there. It's like, well, you know, I, I got to call somebody. Well, you're out there flailing. I, I tell you <laughs> where, I, I'm not sure if you were with us when I was talking about it with Fred, but I had this feeling in California because once Rachel left, I was on my own. And we weren't doing the show. I mean, I talked to you yeah, a few times that week alone. But I was basically, you know, I'd get up, go play golf, come home, you know, do some shopping, make some, you know, have a barbecue or whatever. I'm on my own. And it was the few weeks after Bob Saget had died. And then they found out that the thing that he died of was falling down and he hit his head and then just never recovered. Right. And I, and I remember... Now, I may have been a bit medicated, but I remember going to have a shower thinking, should I let Rachel know I'm going to have a shower in case I fall in the shower and bang my head? So, well, you see, yeah, you're starting to get to get the, uh, you know, thinking about stuff like that. See, this is not the the, uh, the consequence thing is always heavier, which makes you wise as you age. As a young youth, you'd never think of, you know, no. notifying anyone of your, sh- <laughs> no. your shower. Well, and you know what my house is like from the basement where our office was, or is, you know, that was our main office, to my bedroom is five flights of stairs. Yeah. Four flights. Is it? Is it? No, it's one, one, two, <laughs> up to the main floor. Four flights of four, stairs. Four flights, yeah. You're right. When I was a kid, when we were younger, I would have never thought about it. But now, if I have to, again, by myself, if I'm going up and down these stairs, I take my phone. I know it sounds stupid because I just don't want to be caught somewhere in this building with a broken something and I can't call anybody. Maybe you should also install a little bell system. (laughs) So you pull a string and a bell rings on another floor. Well, listen, if you a couple of years ago when you were Please, in between houses, I wanted you to move up. in. You couldn't you couldn't hear somebody in the basement. No. A couple of years ago I wanted you to move in <laughs> and uh when then we could get walkie-talkies. Oh, that'd be good. Yes, sir. No, I I I need some I mean, listen, I know this sounds like again, if we were in, you know, younger people, I would never think about, it, but that's it's something for older people to think about again in light of the fact that you know, Bob Saget died basically because he was old and he fell down in a bathroom. 
Yeah, and you knocked can, his head, right? Yeah, so exactly. And he went to bed thinking that he's fine. He just has got a bit of a headache or something, and then that was it. Yeah. I mean, if you read about it, though, like the 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 blunt trauma to his skull was quite extensive. That's why they thought there might be some, you know, skullduggery or whatever, uh, because it was so he was so bashed in. But I guess he must have really banged his head on something. It's just, again, I never thought of it, and it's not like I think about it all the time, but I, you know, the, the few days I'm alone in this house with Stan, who's useless. Hey, uh, speaking of dogs, uh, we had talked about this before the show yesterday, but and, and I had written it down, and then other stuff happened. Um, everyone, uh, Dan has a dog that we all love. Uh, he's our, is our buddy Clifford, who is a... Um, and kind of, I, I guess I always thought when you first got him that he was a, a, almost like an Irish setter, but he's not. It's a Labradoodle, but most, uh, well, I was, I, when we got a dog, I said, you know, I, I want a dog that doesn't bark a lot and uh, also doesn't shed. So the, he doesn't bark a lot, but he does shed. It was supposed to be a hyperallergenic dog, yeah, yeah. but he's got more uh, lab in him than doodle. And he's a Labrador. But and, to describe him, so he's like sort a of a red, big, he's like, he looks like Clifford, the big red dog. And he's the sweetest boy. He's just a lovely, lovely dog and uh, a favorite here at the household. Stan mm-hmm. loves him. I love him. Rachel loves him. But there was a visit when Rachel was here. You were visiting us a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I don't know. Could have been last year. And uh, at one point, Clifford was putting his head up on the, the couch where we were sitting and he opened his mouth and we had to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So explain why that was, what was going on with Clifford's teeth. His teeth were rotting, and, you know, I brush his teeth regularly, and it's just one of those things. I don't understand how that works, but his, uh, so I had to have uh, his teeth pulled out, and I was, you know, the cost of that is, you always weigh, because he's 12 years old, you're weighing the, you know, if I do this, is he going to, you know, pass on in three weeks or something, and, you know, it's a waste, and that wasn't worth doing it or You know, you, all that stuff goes sure. through your mind when you spend that kind of money. But he had to have 10 teeth removed, so. Jesus. So, uh, but he's doing fine. He's, you know, groaning in the back. <laughs> he just groaned. Look he's at him. But, chilling out. So, and, and of course, when you were describing this to us uh, before the show yesterday, the first, oh, yeah, there he is. Look, everyone, there's Cliff. Yeah. Hey, Cliff. Hey. Cliff. Who's a boy? Look at him. <laughs> Good boy. Oh, See, what, yeah. See, what's yeah, interesting well. is your dog is sitting near you. My dog might be three floors above me on his own in his bedroom. You um, just have no idea. I have no idea. He came down the last time I saw him was after I finished breakfast. He always comes over. I give him a lick of the bowl. Anyway, um, when you were telling us, all I could think of is dollar signs. So initially... He, you thought it was going to be three grand for his teeth. It was how much? Yeah, three grand. But it turned into uh, about sixteen hundred in the end. I found a good, a, a reasonably priced vet. You went to like a no frills vet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, bar- I bargain shop yeah. <laughs> at the big yellow no frills vet store. Yeah, I got a bulk deal. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Good for you. So, and, yeah. and and you told me yesterday that he came home. This was odd because we've I've had listen I've had dogs all my life, so I've had a dog that's had to have the cone on its head. One of the saddest things you'll ever see. Stupid dog bangs into shit around your house. But why would he? Why was he sent home with a cone when he had his teeth removed? 
Oh, while he was in under the knife, I uh, decided there's a, I guess labs get little fat deposits or something a lot. So I just decided to have whatever it was uh, on his rear, <laughs> just to have that removed because he was under the under anesthetic anyway. So uh, that was done. So it, with the whole cone is to prevent him from licking the. Uh, the, oh, the, his, the, the thing on his back. Yeah. Wow. But he doesn't do well with that cone. <laughs> no dogs do. <laughs> It's, it really is one of the most pathetic things. Oh, this whole show uh, has been about watching him. Yeah, this whole now this whole show has been about shit getting lanced off you and, and the dog had an operation. Right. Uh, before we get to Jackie Button, who uh, many radio listeners in Toronto know as Jackie Delaney, Jackie's coming on here in the next few minutes. Here's a little blast from your past, Dandoran. Oh, that's a slow dance in the gymnasium. That's right. Very good. This is April Wine from the mid-70s. If you're our age, this is when you got on the dance floor. Tried not to rub your self against an unsuspecting uh, partner. I always found that part very difficult. <laughs> I'm like, especially with teacher chaperones. On no, the I just I just remember those early boners, you know, and you'd have the slow dance, <laughs> and you'd be like. She's got to feel this because you know it's it's obvious it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, now I need more than a slow dance to get it going. Uh, I tell you what, though, it's all under the umbrella of good health. Nothing makes you feel healthier like a nice slow dance. And if you're trying to keep track of what's going on with your health, HealthGage uses sensors. Have I told you this? Electrocardiographs, red, infrared, and green LED. And what this gives you is real-time data to measure things like blood pressure, oxygen saturation, heart rate, pulse wave velocity, activity levels, calorie calories burned, and so much more. Um... If you're having uh, any issue, and I had a couple people send me a note, if you're having any issue with the watch or, in this case, getting the promo code to work, send me a note, Humble uh, and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com, and I will pass it on to our friends at HealthGage. The uh, website is HealthGage.com. The promo code is HumbleFredHG. That gets you 15% off at checkout. Promo code HumbleFredHG at HealthGage.com. So Fred's watching the Blue Jays. I don't know if you heard that conversation. He's watching the Leafs. You know, my sports uh, generally is golf on the weekends, as you know. Uh, are you watching anything? Like, I, I almost sent you a note yesterday, too, because it was getting toward the end of the day, and I was like, okay. I have, uh, talking to Rachel, I asked her what she's watching, and I thought, hey, I got nothing right now. Is there something that's exciting you? You mean in sports? No, no. in, in just thing. watching in general, like a, a, a series, a documentaries, a, a show, a movie even. Like I will take, here's what I would take. If you know about a movie on Netflix, you know, one of those ones you're always reading about, oh, you know, one of the 10 Netflix movies that you never heard of that is really good. Yeah, I haven't got a real solid recommendation right now. What I mean, are, you know, keeping up with uh, the... Uh, the Kardashians, uh, is that what you do? <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched. Neither have I. I've never really watched an episode. No, nope, I've just me seen either. clips. I don't really understand the show. I mean, I, I get the, the premise and everything, but well, listen, it was on uh, whenever it was fourteen years ago when I was in between, you know, marriages, and I right. remember my daughters and my 
ex-girlfriend at the time were into one of those shows. And I remember watching a few minutes of an episode, and I was like, well, this is clearly not for me. Right, and it's back, right? They've got a new series. I don't know. They've just come back with some series. I think I don't I, know, I didn't know they'd ever let it. I had no idea they ever left. Neither did I. Okay. They've got a new season of whatever they do. So when you when you get to the end of a Dan Duran day and there's no ice sculpture to monitor, like what did you turn? What did you watch last night? Last night I watched uh, another episode of The Batman. <laughs> I'm breaking it up. It's a three hour movie. Which is on, uh, I think it's on Crave right now. Uh, it's already streaming on Crave? Mm-hmm. Is that something? I remarked to my son. I said, hey, the Batman's on. I said, Batman's on. He said, you mean the Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the good. Batman. So I'll uh, have to watch it. He'll have to watch it on his little tiny screen on his phone. That's funny. That's not for me. I, you know, watching a feature. You know, one of the things that's bugging, bugging me a lot about... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, about all these, uh, what I'm seeing, like I prefer a linear kind of show. So you start at the beginning and the timeline runs. Yes, okay. From somehow linearly. Every show I'm watching these days has a flashback. It goes like, a, you know, you'll see the credits, you know, like on the... I hear you. Three days earlier, 20 minutes earlier, or whatever. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so well, you can't, you know, you have to start the show with a big bang and then they all go back. But I already know what's going on. It really drives me nuts. Every show that I'm watching. Well, I, you know, so I, I'm, I'm glad I, ago. I'm glad I finally, uh, finally found something you're passionate about. I agree, by the way. <laughs> I'm too, I'm too old for flashbacks. Uh, hey, look at speaking of, uh, a flashback to our radio careers. Uh, I don't know if you uh, have ever worked with this nice, lovely human being, Jackie Delaney, now Jackie Budden. Uh, welcome back to our program. Jackie, how are you today? I am fantastic. So, you know, just... Okay, um, Jackie, I'm, I'm not... We're only catching every second word. Uh, I'm mm. not sure if they try it again. I said it's fantastic because I get to start the day with you. Aw. Yeah, it's, you're talking, is this your phone you're talking into? It is, yeah, and I don't have my, um, I don't have my earbuds connected. That's better, just like that. Oh, okay, so I'll just, I'll stay here and I won't move, I'll be like a statue. Jackie is the uh, Director of Communications and Parliamentary Affairs for the Senate of Canada, but we'll get to all that. Did you ever work with the great Dan Duran, Jackie? I did not. But no, we never our paths never crossed that way. No, no, I was always yeah. uh, always caught you on uh, television and such, but never had the uh, opportunity to work with you. Well, we're kind of working together right now. Exactly. L- look at that. Howard is bringing the world together. Oh yeah, that's what Howard's known for. <laughs> <laughs> the great unifier. That's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think because uh, there were well, Dan. Dan kind of left the Humble and Fred show to pursue being Dan Duran on television, E! Now, and of course the Deanie Petty show and E! Talk and all that stuff. And then Fred and I kind of, I first drifted over to Standard on my own. Then later, I'm trying to think, uh, to remember the years, we were there together for a while without Fred after he got fired for, I think you were doing something at 1010. And I remember last time talking to you about this, that was kind of your path. And then at some point... You decided communications for government was where you wanted to go. Yeah, after two incidents uh, or 
or, or two events in which I was out of work in radio for more than a year, mm. I thought, I'm not sticking around for a third. I mean, at both times, I, I was, I managed to get, you know, to, for something else to come along, but that was just too much job insecurity for me. And it's funny because there's not much more security in political life either. But I think, you know, I, I've been in my current job now for seven years. So I'm doing okay. Yeah, well, you're doing more than okay. I mean, you're being, you know, but but well, let me ask you, because you said about the insecurity of radio. And, and, uh, and it's interesting because Dan and I have been in radio together since the 1970s. And it was kind of part of the radio mindset that you're basically being hired to eventually be fired. In your particular case, now that you're the director of communications, does that allow you any kind of job security knowing that if this gig ends, there's going to be somebody who knows you now that's going to be, oh, you know, I could probably get a gig with that politician? So for me, being with an individual senator, absolutely. Uh, when I started at the Senate, I worked for the, the then leader of the government in the Senate uh, when conservatives were in power. When we lost that election, that's when this particular individual senator, Senator Leo Husakos, he was the speaker at the time, um, he said to me, come work for me in my office as a senator. There's more job security. And he was absolutely right because government changes, obviously, um, and you have far fewer staff opportunities when you're not in government, when you're only in opposition. Um, but when you're working for an individual senator, even opposed to an MP, a senator is there depending on their age, right? Mm-hmm. They don't they don't get voted in or out. Um, their tenure is secured until they're age 75. I happen to work for a fairly young senator. He's 54. So my retirement plan, I got 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the fact that you're totally, yeah, that's my gig. For you kids in, who are taking poli sci, you hook your wagon to a senator. Uh, Dan, if you, Dan, at any point, you know, if you have a question for Jackie Delaney, director. Well, of I do. I, I please. sort of put my hand up there. Yes. I, what I was wondering is, is all your years in broadcast, did they, did those skills, because uh, you're on one side, you know, on broadcasting, you're interviewing the politician, and now you're on the politician side. Is that, was it an easy transition or was uh, all these skills kind of great or not a, a, a hindrance to, to getting into, into what you're doing now? It, it actually was very beneficial when I first started out. I was working as the press secretary for Tim Hudak. And at first, I was very overwhelmed because it's a different language in politics. They like to speak, they, we like to speak in a lot of acronyms. And uh, I was very overwhelmed for the days. And then somebody said to me, Jackie, you might not know politics and you might not know parliamentary procedure, but that stuff will come. Mm-hmm. What you know is you know how to talk to the media because you know how to speak in their language. So go do that, go be really great at that, and the rest of it will come along. And they were absolutely right. It was the best advice I had. Uh, and it's the best advice I can give anyone who's making that transition. And for somebody to pick up on Dan's observation, you know, being in the media, we're used to seeing politicians in a certain light and all like, even in this goofy job, you know, and we've interviewed all kinds of people in the public eye. But when you're behind the scenes in Parliament, in in the world of politics was there some surprises for you was there some things like oh that's how it works or did you see it in a different way were you more empathetic than you might have been had you not known yes and yes to both of those questions um 
First of all, I, I would like to say that politicians, I know politicians get a bad rap and, and there are some politicians that deserve that rap, but it's like anything in life. There are good and bad in, in any walk of life. So I would say that and I would say that politicians and I know some people will groan and roll their eyes here, but politicians do make some some sacrifices that, uh, you know what, I'm not sure a lot of a lot of other folks would be willing to make. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. Time with their family. Uh, you know, being able to be in one place and, and have that consistency. Uh, a lot of times politicians leave a lot of money on the table from the private sector in order to go into politics. You know, um, I couldn't agree with you more. Again, having had the opportunity to get to know some of them, like, you know, John Tory is a good friend of ours. And I knew we knew Tory before. He, well, we knew Tory when he was running for mayor because his campaign office, Jackie, was right at St. Clair and Young, where that bank is now. That was right. his. So we sort of got to know him then. And, and, and we've said this a million times about, especially Tory, but I'm sure it applies to a lot of other politicians. Why that person is doing it. They could do anything they want. They have all the money they'd ever need. And yet there's John Tory on a Saturday when the rest of us are going golfing at some event. I, I think that the public needs to know that they, these people don't um, yeah sure there's some bad ones and we're going to talk about them in a second <laughs> um, but but it's it's certainly not i mean most of us just love to sit on the sidelines and complain to actually put yourself forward whatever your beliefs are whatever cockamamie thing you believe it takes a certain amount of sacrifice and i think most people would understand that yeah, even to even to get to public office, I mean, I had an opportunity a few years ago to uh, run as a candidate in a Toronto riding. Actually, I wanted to come back to Toronto and run in a Toronto riding. And uh, at that time in particular, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it now, but at that time in particular, I wasn't ready to commit to even the nomination process because just to get the local nomination within your own party is a process. You have to hit the pavement. You have to knock on doors. You have to make phone calls. You have to be out there, as you said, on weekends through the week. So even that process. And then if you're fortunate enough to win the the nomination process, then you go through it all over again in a general election. So so even that, I don't I don't think people understand quite what that process is and and how much people do sacrifice to go through that and on that note when you're when like comparing it to the american system where they're constantly campaigning and fundraising because it's so expensive and the way they do things down there so different is is that a major part of politicians in canada where they're fundraising all the time or like spending half their time trying to get money for their campaigns or is it a little less a little less than that here it's, it's probably I, I'm not sure that it would be the same as in the in the states, but I mean, it's certainly a huge component of it because it does take a lot of money to um, to run a party, to run candidates for a candidate to run. I mean, you look at right now with the current leadership race with the um, federal conservative party and the fact that in order I think it's April 29th is the deadline um, to submit a three hundred thousand dollar fee. Mm-hmm. and some of those people that have announced you'll see some of them drop off because once that date comes around and they realize yeah i really don't have any chance here am i going to put up three hundred thousand dollars that i'm not getting back you'll see some people drop off um and you constantly see constantly see fundraising when you get emails um and you know you'll see newsletters go out where they'll talk about something that happened in the house of commons that day and then they'll say you know we need you to help us fight those dastardly conservatives sure <laughs> we need to fight those dastardly liberals uh so they're 
There is constant fundraising. It's just it's done very differently now than it would have been 10, 15, 20 years ago, even. Uh, well, and, and I and I don't want to get bogged down in this part, but I can only imagine it's different, uh, Dan, in the states where, you know, people like, you know, the senators are making one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year and yet they're leaving politics worth 30 and 40 million dollars. But let's talk about. So again, it's great. I just wanted to reestablish who Jackie is and our relationship. And, you know, I've always admired you. You've always been, you know, somebody that, especially in a, in a world where it's mostly run by men, you've always been sort of uh, able to push through. And, and now here you are working in politics, sometimes working in politics. If I may pick up on my own point here, you are associated ideologically with people uh, and I, I wonder, for instance, right now, I'm, I'm looking at your Twitter feed. And, you know, you, and, and I think it's a fascinating story, this steam whistle thing. But before we get to the nuts and bolts of that, so you're obviously uh, somebody who has uh, backing Pierre Polyev. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's not, not everything to do. I, I, well, let me start with the question. Every, are, when you hear about him and some of the things he's associated with, are there certain parts of a candidate that you kind of go, okay, well, I'm not, that's not, I'm not big on that part of it, but as far as the other part, I'll support him. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. I don't agree with everything Pierre Polyev Like some, says, of, the, some it, of the weird God stuff and all that stuff, you know? Look, uh, the, the God stuff, I always find it interesting with, with God, mentions of God and Christianity, because there's another story floating around right now, uh, a viral video of people singing a gospel song on a on a plane, and would you be annoyed by it or whatever? And it's yeah, like, I've, yeah, saw, I've be, seen that video. I would be annoyed. Yeah, I would be annoyed too, but not because it's a gospel song. I'd be annoyed. I don't care what song. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I don't know <laughs> anyone standing up and singing on a plane with a guitar. I don't care. I don't care if it's a ZZ Top tribute band. Sit down. Except Helen Reddy. <laughs> yeah, but except Helen Reddy. Do you know the video we're talking about, Dan? Has everyone seen this? I've heard about it. I haven't seen the video. These gospel kids get up on a fucking plane and they start with the guitar and a bunch of them are singing and it's about the baby Jesus. But you're right, Jackie. <laughs> singing on a plane. But I guess, I'm, I, again, it's not, I, I ask this in a clunky way because I'm not trying to say there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but Pierre Polyev, there's a lot of stuff associated with him that I find a bit odd distasteful weird doesn't matter he's you know but i'm saying with you you support him but maybe not all of it it's more about so what is it about him that you do support and what should we know about him because i don't know much about him look i'll tell you one thing the guy is whip smart this is you know he's uh, a lot of people criticize him and say oh he's a career politician and i would say okay but what's wrong with that like don't you want somebody who's experienced because i do I, I want somebody who's actually been on the job a minute. Um, number one. Number two, he's he's extremely intelligent. He's not a stupid guy. And he's a nice guy. Like, I think a lot of people, you hear all the stories and you hear the nicknames. And it's uh, I think people find it very easy to make fun of him because of his initials. And, and a lot of it is childish humor. And we're all guilty of it with various politicians. Mm-hmm. I certainly have been i've made fun of justin trudeau in his his briefcase but um i often wonder what he's carrying in there um his lunch probably (laughs) okay somebody i won't say are you sure it's not his toys but anyway (laughs) i was thinking that his mommy made him his lunch and he's taking it to work 
go, right? It's very easy for us to make childish jokes. And, and I think a lot of people find it very easy to take shots up here. But if you actually listen to what he's saying and you get past the kind of obvious, okay, you know, why does he always wear his hair like that or whatever? Uh, I, I He's actually quite lovely. And he's very much what resonates with me is he's very much a live and let live kind of person. And I'm all about that. And the great thing about him, he has the added bonus of being very concerned about, our, you know, our books, our financial books and the financial health we're in right now. So okay. those are two that really resonate with me. So I, I'm in. I mean, Fred, I, I, we, Fred and I were talking about the show before uh, we started recording. And I said, you know, it's too bad you're not going to be here for Jackie because I know you had some questions about Pierre Polyev. And, and I'm going to be honest, I don't really have. I mean, again, the, and I'll just be honest, the, the Jesus stuff, the God stuff annoys me a little bit. It's a bit too icky for me. Fred said something about, you know, him standing with the truckers and the freedom. And he's always talking about our freedoms being taken away. And. And I agree with what Freddie said to me, which is, you know, here we are in our 60s. I don't recall any of my freedoms. There, I, I've, I've been pretty free most of my life. I mean, yeah, I was born in Moose Jaw, so everything is gravy after that. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel... <laughs> what's that? I said, you're just happy to be here. Exactly. Um, I'm just happy to be out of Moose Jaw. Uh, but, no, I, 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 my point is, what, why does he keep talking about our freedoms being taken away when most of us feel pretty free here in Canada. Look, I think a lot of the the issues with the whole freedom, and I think people dismissing it, um, it's very easy if you compare it to what's happening in Ukraine to say, we've got nothing to worry about here. Right. Uh, But but that's like saying, uh, you know, we have nothing to worry about with the cost, the high rising cost of food, because look at the kids in Africa. It's like, yeah, everything's relative, though. You know, us complaining about it doesn't change what's happening in Africa. Us complaining about it doesn't change what's happening in Ukraine. The truth of the matter is, relatively speaking, have we had our freedoms stripped away in comparison to what's happening in Ukraine? No. However, that doesn't mean that we haven't chipped away at some core principles behind our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And, and the thing is, once you start chipping it away, it's much easier to come in and chip away a little more and mm-hmm. chip away a little more. And I always say to people, and I said this long before there was a leadership race. So I'm not just saying this because I support Pierre Polyev. You can go back and look on my Twitter. I've been consistent. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms isn't there to protect us in the good times because people always say yeah but it's a crisis right but the charter of rights and freedoms is there to protect you in a crisis that's when it is truly put to the test if it's malleable so that in the middle of a crisis where okay we're just going to ignore that part of it it's not really worth much, is it? No, I hear you. And I think what you're referring to with things like, you know, the Emergencies Act that was enacted during the convoy, um, whatever. The f- I, I was calling on stage the other night. I referred to it as the fuckhead convoy. But, uh, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's comedy, Jackie. But, uh, I, again, I don't want to get too deep into the, the actual politics and debate whether they were right to do it or not. I think there's an interesting story. And, again, Pierre Polyev is certainly one of the politicians that's come up recently that's making a name for himself he's running against jean charay for you people that aren't 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 aware that charay was a conservative became a liberal uh premier of uh, quebec and now is running for the leadership again two quick things because i i have somebody in six minutes and i, and I want to just quickly say what do you think 
the chances of Sheree taking the leadership quickly. What do you think? Any chance? Look, there's always a chance, right? You just never know in these things. But I'm saying within, uh, within the party, what are your what are you guys feeling right now? I I I can only speak for what I what I'm seeing. Uh, I've never seen anything like what's happening with Pierre Polyev. And I know that Patrick Brown and Jean Charest uh, like to take shots at him and say, yeah, well, his crowd size doesn't matter. It's, you know, memberships or whatever. I can tell you the people at those rallies are not all existing members. A lot of them are people who are taking out new memberships. Um, so I think crowd size does matter. I've never seen anything like it, like the the rally size, the size of the rallies that Pierre is getting. It's it's crazy, especially in a leadership. Yeah, but you know it's, what people are going to think? They're like, yeah, well, Trump got a lot of people out to a rally too. So doesn't make it doesn't make it. just because you're because sometimes just because you're popular doesn't make it right. Yeah, but Trump won. Yeah, and look what happened then. And I, w- I will say one thing because I don't I don't typically like to even engage in it because I think um, compa- too many people too often use Trump the same way that they use and not saying that you did. But too often people use the Trump card now the same way they use the, the race card to say, well, you're a racist. And it no, shuts down. It. And, and people are doing the same thing. Well, he's like Trump. He's nothing like Trump. He has no policies like Trump. He's nothing like Trump. No, I get it. And I, uh, and I, I, I get it. And I don't I'm not making that comparison, but I'm just saying, you know, rally sizes and crowd sizes. Um, we'd be remiss. And again, I, I'm going to this is going to take four minutes before we uh, say goodbye. But there's a story and, and I found it fascinating. I'm going to talk more about it with Freddie tomorrow because it's an interesting. If you go follow Jackie on Twitter, as I do, you, you put up some fascinating stuff, including maybe you could describe this letter that a brewery sent to the people walking in I, I mean again and I'm not a big I'm pretty liberal but I'm conservative in some ways why don't you describe it because it's just so weird so Pierre Poliev had an event planned in Toronto a rally planned in Toronto for last night it was taking place at the Steam Whistle Brewery Pub um, and I guess there was a lot of blowback from some people in Toronto saying, why are you hosting this? So Steam Whistle put out a statement, but then last night they reiterated that statement in a hard copy letter that they, they handed out to people attending the rally, uh, saying very, very, very forcefully saying, we do not endorse Pierre Polyev. We don't, <laughs> nothing to do with an endorsement. We don't like him either. But, you know, he booked the event. So what are we going to do? We host political events. It's just a political event. And I'm laughing. And I don't want to call for cancellation because I don't believe in cancel cancel culture. But what I do find really funny about this is they're saying the reason that they don't support him and all the people are upset is because he supported the trucker convoy. And that was such a threat to democracy. But they don't see that trying to cancel a politician is a threat to democracy. That's the part that makes me laugh is the is the hypocrisy of that. You know, yeah, we have this discussion, Jackie and Dan, all the time in the show is, you know, people being offended for other people who really don't need protection. And I would, again, go to Jackie's page, read, read this letter that they handed out. And Steam Whistle is so worried about Torontonians. Oh, my God. What if Torontonians are upset at our beer? But then you look at all the, the comments. There's actually people saying, well, if Steam Whistle's hosting Pierre Polyev, I won't drink their beer anymore. Well, fucking grow up. Like, really? And my favorite part of this whole thing is Jackie's tweet says, my goodness, who hurt you, Toronto? <laughs> like, seriously. I, I, it's, he's not Hitler. 
No, okay, he's exactly. just a, he's just a guy who's maybe not liberal, which in Toronto is one of the worst things you can be. Absolutely. No, look, you know what? I uh, thank you for bringing up that tweet. I I think the whole thing is just silly. And, and it also makes me think, wow, people, liberals are really afraid of Pierre Polyev. And yeah. that for me is all the more reason to support him. Well, and they're making it seem in this letter, Dan, that, uh, you know, we've hosted many other uh, politicians in 22 years. Please don't stop drinking our beer. <laughs> it should just, it should and by just the way, be, we have beer. <laughs> it should just have a stamp across the letter that says, please don't stop drinking our beer. And I get it, by the way. Steam whistle. I don't. It really isn't steam whistles fault. They're just reacting to the kind of blowback that they were sure they were going to get. And guess what? They got it. Yeah, but grow, like you said, grow up. Actually use that as an opportunity to say, so hold on. You are the same people who are afraid of a threat to democracy, yet you clearly don't understand how democracy and freedom of speech works. Because this is how democracy works. This is actually democracy. What you're advocating for, being the people who complained, is not democracy. You want to shut down anybody that you don't agree with. That's not democracy. Yeah. And again, you know, I and this we could go into the, you know, universities not having uh, or blocking or canceling Jordan Peterson talks. And 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 I you know, listen as a, you know, sort of liberal when it comes to human beings. We don't. I, I, the people that we're trying to protect aren't don't, don't they don't need our protection. They're fine. They'll let you know what. And you know what? Sometimes people's feelings get hurt. It just happens. You know, it's interesting how something some of these things pop, though. It's like, uh, what difference would it make? Uh, I mean, like, okay, what's what's the difference between this and them using, say, the Metro Convention Center for it, or uh, you know, a banquet hall somewhere in northern Toronto? It, it wouldn't be much different as far as the actual. They rented a hall space, and you know, they, that was it. I guess Look, because no, of the that's brand. A good point. Here's what I always say to, and again, this this comes long before Pierre Polyev was running for leader. What I say about freedom of speech is it's very easy to defend free speech when you agree with what's being said. Mm-hmm. The real do you defend free speech when you don't agree with what's being said? No, and I'm going to give that's a uh, uh, I'm going to give you the last word here, Jackie. That was fantastic. And uh, finally, uh, is there any way you can get PP on our show? That's right. <laughs> I call him Pee Pee because I'm a seven year old. Because I'm That's seven. That's why he won't be on the show. <laughs> no, Mister. We you you know. Listen, we have had politicians on this program. You know we'd be respectful. Um, hook it up, Jackie. Come on. I'm sorry, you're you're breaking up again. What's that? I said, are you going to hand out a letter to everyone who tunes in? That won't be. That won't take very long. <laughs> Here, to the, <laughs> give that letter to the four or five people that tune in every day. The same ones. Uh, Jackie Budden, follow her as I do. It's interesting. And you don't have to agree with everything she says. How about that? How about follow somebody that is saying something you don't agree with? At Jackie, J-A-C-Q-I, Delaney, her old name. Uh, listen, man, we'll talk to you next month. And, uh, if you, uh, and honestly, if you can you know, put a word in with uh, the leadership candidate, this would be an interesting conversation for sure. Thanks, Jack. Always a pleasure. There's Jackie Button. Worked with Jackie for a long time. Just let yourself out of the room. That'd be great. Ba-da-da-da. Jackie, by the way, Dan, you know who she is, don't you? Yeah. I'm just... 
I'm just killing time while I fly. Oh, you're killing time. Oh, I see. Yes. (laughs) Because I don't have a mouse. Oh, if I only had a mouse. God damn it. You know, last time I visited you, I did bring you a mouse, and I forgot to we forgot to go down to the studio and, and you know do a little work on that. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. So next time, next time, uh, so we'll set you up and see how it works for you. I know, I feel so much shame right now. Um, mouse shame? A mouse shame. Well, um, Rachel was here. Uh, is it right there? I want to make sure. Oh, here we go. Uh, cleaning out the office to get it ready for her summer residency. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> she said, hey, I found a mouse. I went, don't tell Dan. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do, whatever you do, don't let Dad know there was a mouse on the premises. Uh, if you're thinking about getting away somewhere warm, we're going to get right to you, Sherps. Because uh, I know you got to go. Uh, if you're getting away to somewhere warm, you just want to get the hell out of this. You know, it was winter two days ago. It's sunny. You know, it's unpredictable. Make sure you take GigSky with you. GigSky offers a 100% data plan. Maps, Uber, Instagram, all of it. WhatsApp, FaceTime. GigSky's got you covered. And now take advantage of the GigSky travel rewards. GigSky.com slash travel rewards. Sign into the account and you'll find out all kinds of stuff about rental cars, uh, uh, hotels, reduced rates, theme park adventures, and so much more. Download the app. And enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit gigsky.com for more details. All right, here we go. I know you're thinking, oh, how is he going to do this without a mouse? Watch. Crossfading, crossfading. <laughs> there you go, Dan. Yeah. That was completely mouseless. That's amazing. You did that. <laughs> Thank you. For the listeners at home, in the olden days of radio, we used to have knobs, faders, and stuff. That's right. You, can, you know, every every source was on a separate knob. Mm-hmm. With with a computer, it's all you know the same thing, but it's all on a screen. So you need to somehow maneuver with a mouse to to get those things. So it's a, quite the challenge for Howard. And he's okay. And off. Thank you. <laughs> Partially. Yeah, well, I, and here's the thing. Dan was my boss once, and he's been yelling at me about my technical <laughs> ability for the last 40 years. For the last uh, century, this man has been guiding people in their uh, journey. He is the retirement Sherpa, and now he's here with us. Uh, and how lucky we are to have him in our family. Tim Niblet, tim.niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Hello, Sir Nibblesworth. How are you, brother? Good morning, everybody. As I mentioned in the email, we're hitting the road tomorrow via Tallahassee and our daughter. Morning, Dan, by the way. Morning. And uh, I'm not quite sure why we're coming back. It seemed so promising last week, and then you guys <laughs> had snow the other day. Yeah, I'm sure a bunch of your friends you saw online, some of the... It wasn't just that it snowed, and then, you know, like a spring snow where it lasts for a couple of seconds. Like, it was big, heavy November flakes, and it stayed on the ground, and it was ridiculous. Um. So you're going to get in a car tomorrow and drive north? Yeah, just doing all our last-minute prepping uh, today. I've uh, been packing up for a few days, of course. Uh, lots of appointments today, so that's first priority. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to a Tallahassee visit with Sarah, our daughter, and family tomorrow night. And then uh, probably two days of driving be home on uh, Saturday. Well, that's awesome. And by the time you get here, who knows? Maybe spring will be around. Um, <laughs> you know, we're no, talking- It's going to be warm on Sunday. Oh, Sunday's no, I know. like 20 or something, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to maneuver. Uh, I'm actually, okay, I can tell you two. I'm playing golf Sunday morning, and I'm just waiting for the perfect moment to tell Rachel. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it was one of those ones where I got invited to play, and I'm like, I'm going to say yes, and then work backwards and try and figure out when is the best time to pop that into. Oh, by the way, I know you're busy Sunday. Why don't I just go and let them go? Um, but let's talk. I was talking to Jackie Delaney a minute ago, uh, Tim, about the vagaries of the jobs. You know, radio is filled with people getting fired and hired. Um, what does having a, a, a change in your job do to your finances, and, and why is that something you'd like to talk to people about? Yeah, lots of things have morphed, of course, over the years. The good old days, there was a lot of uh, defined benefit pensions. Uh, nowadays, there's still a lot of group RSPs and, and such. But in a lot of cases, you, you've got a lot of money tied up if you've been at the same employer for quite a while. So you really need to pay attention, of course, to that as well. I'm sorry. I, I understand an RSP. What is a DPSP? A deferred profit sharing plan. So well, one of the big decisions people have when they move jobs is, uh, again, what to do with what they've, they've put together there. Uh, if they've been part of a pension, they, they can uh, leave it in the pension or they can get what's called a commuted value. In essence, the, the worth of the pension, right? Today's dollars and uh, decide what they want to do with that. So, you know, it can be pretty sizable, right? We, we've had these uh, with people. I don't know that we've crossed a million dollars for anybody, but certainly hundreds of thousands of dollars many times to make a decision on. I, I, I was never, uh, you know, unlike Fred, I never worked for the companies that employed us. I worked for my company and I had a contract as a, a sort of a proprietor, as a little business. But I'm curious, if you leave a company... Like when Fred and I left Chorus, could he, I guess you're, are you allowed to leave your, your investment with that company or do some companies make you take it with you? A little bit of everything. Again, it depends what vehicle it's in, uh, but lots of times you could just leave it there, uh, which can be a good option at times. The challenge with that is it really helps out with inertia, right? So if you don't need to decide anything, uh, often people just ignore it. And then a couple of years later, realize that they've had X number of dollars in the, the plan at the previous employer and haven't really been paying attention to it, maybe lost out on some opportunity as a result so it's like anything right it's best to review it uh maybe leaving it there is the best but but often it isn't dan do you have a question uh for well, the no, I, 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 i've been uh i've left a few companies in my time have like you now yeah, I, have. <laughs> I know and at the end of the employment experience there's uh there's there's always a consideration because the severance package shows up yeah. and you've got to figure out what to do with that like over a period of time all in one lump where does it go uh can you throw it at rsps or whatever and that's a, a you know you, you're also kind of in that situation, I've been, you know, you're in a bit of um, an emotional panic, so yes. you're not necessarily making the best or, or know enough to make great decisions at that particular point. So, you know, getting advice is something they, they even companies have told me you should think about, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? I was going to say, and those too. have really morphed over the years, too, Dan. You know, uh, I remember my my uh, retail days. Uh, so that's 30 years ago now. Uh, you know, people would get a severance package, get a job the next day and get to keep the whole mm-hmm. severance package. Right. I mean, it's kind of like double dipping uh, profitably. Nowadays, it's more what's called a salary continuation plan where they will pay you out for a certain length of time, reward you if you get a job sooner than later as well. Well, I was going to say, too, Dan and myself and Lumby, those two way more than me, but, you know, we contributed to an RRSP inside ACTRA for years and years. And it wasn't until we met, I think, Tim, that 
I kind of wanted, okay, well, I don't, I don't have that much money in it and I don't want them to control it anymore. I wanted to give it over to you, which is kind of like my company pension. Is that better to do? Do you think as a, a whether you're in a, a union or you're trying to get your money out of the company you're leaving, would you rather have control of it with your clients or would you just, I guess, decide depending on how it's growing within that, that package? Well, past the obvious, I get revenue if uh, they have it with me part. Oh, um, oh that's how no. it works. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, I see. <laughs> it's it's not just to make the world a better place I do this, Howard. I mean, oh, that's a lot of it. But, I had no but idea only. you were making money. <laughs> uh, it, it's certainly a heck of a lot easier. associated with sure-paying, after all. <laughs> well, right. I'm, I'm going to go pro bono at some time in the future. I just haven't determined when yet, but... Uh, so, uh, but but you're fair. I, I I know you would look at it and think, okay, it's kind of growing okay in that whatever product it's in. Versus, but I, when I met you, I'm like, okay, I want I want to have control over this now. I want us to have control over it. It's usually easier for people to, of course, have everything in one place, so it it, it can get tracked a lot easier. They can be aware of things better. Yes, as an advisor, we can make sure all the pieces of the the puzzle, so to speak, fit together a lot better that way. And often with a group plan, I mean, it's it's kind of one to many, right? So there's not as many choices often with the investments that you can make. There's uh, you know, just keep it simple, uh, more, more cookie cutter stuff. So maybe like the alternative investments that we use a lot of th- those rarely, if ever, have I seen in a, a group plan. And, and they're a big part of our, our normal portfolio management for clients. And one of the considerations, if you are changing jobs, as we uh, wrap it up here is, you know, if you're leaving, do you have the, the, the proper coverage, group life, disability, and that type of thing? And that would be something you talk about with someone. Absolutely. And also when you start a new job, definitely find out what kind of plans they do have, what can you contribute, how much will they give, right? Some still give a dollar to a dollar up to a certain percentage of your income. So that's free money, right? You definitely want to take advantage of that as much as you can. So if somebody is starting a new job, has started in the last year or two, uh, wherever they are, they should really make sure they're taking advantage of all the things that that company wants to uh, pitch in on. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. Safe travels, uh, my uh, good man, and uh, I will get in touch with the very enthusiastic Jay at your office, because right now he's aggressively trying to get us together for a meeting. <laughs> but, well, he just wants us to golf while I'm still playing well, maybe. Oh, uh, maybe. That might be his motivation. But, yes, he, he would be uh, what we would politely and professionally and appreciatively uh, call a, a keener. Oh, sure. no, he's super keen. <laughs> and, uh, and and you know what? It's part of the uh, Sherpa experience, the, the fine people that support uh, not only Tim, but the clients that Tim has. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. Be well and uh, all, all goodness on the road, my friend, okay? Yes, thank you. Enjoy up there, guys. Enjoy and profit. Look forward to seeing you in person next week. Can't wait, my buddy. That's Tim Knott Nibblin at RaymondJames.ca. Dan. There we go. All right. There's Tim. He's going to go now. All right. Well, I think it's going uh, It's going swimmingly. Uh, what have we done? We've done everything. I think Dan did that. Uh, you have uh, your news still to go. And we'll get to that in a second or two. Was... Uh, was uh, Jackie Delaney, what did you do whatever the... Uh, the Gig Sky guest of the day, I did, yes. Yeah, okay, I just was wondering about that. Yeah, I did. I did it just before the Sherpa. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember when I was looking for the mouse? 
That's what yeah. I was trying to find. Oh, I was trying to find the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason a mouse might make my life easier is because uh, on any given day during any show, I have a lot of uh, different things open. And you, and to be fair, you made my life so much better for so many reasons. But, <laughs> but the uh, you know, I resisted for a long time. The second monitor. <laughs> no, I that, know that I did. tech upgrade, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, now I won't, I can't do it without it. It's crazy. Right. Um, in California, I didn't have it. I tried to hook it up uh, with your tech support. We, were, we failed. But, uh, so I did the show in California looking into this one screen, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, I had a song, there was something I was going to ask you. And now I can't remember what it was. Something to do with the... Uh well, it could be about your job or uh, how many, do you know, do you, could you, uh, do you know how many radio stations you've worked at? Oh yeah. I was thinking about that actually. I think it's around 15. Yeah. I'd say for me, probably similar to you. Uh, I worked at one radio company three times. It just, it changed. You know, I worked at standard in 92. It was CKFM became the mix. Then Fred and I went there in 2001 when we worked at the mix and then i went back in 2008 it was still standard and then it became boom i went to easy rock it became boom and then it got sold to astrell but i yeah you and i worked together at uh how many actual radio stations did we work together at uh three i think moose jaw kick yeah and the edge. So my first, th- I was t- I was two stations ahead of you. No, one station ahead of you because no, you, you started on Swift Current or something. Oh no, that's true. I, I started. I, I was at a station in in Weyburn for a month, and then they fired you. Yes, they did. Yeah. So uh, and then I I got fired from my first job too, which was uh, in Edmonton, Edmonton yeah. at CFRN. So and then uh, job two is where I met Lumbee <laughs> and uh, Kingsbury. That's so funny that I literally you and I, I you lasted longer than me. My first job was at a radio station ninety miles from my hometown. I did four shifts and then they told me I was no longer needed. <laughs> I'm like I'm only seventeen. How can I? I was fired. I was fired literally before most people have their first job. But I you remember got fired when, before your first paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I remember meeting you and thinking you were so experienced because you had worked at two stations before. No, and that you were. Yes, you oh, did. Yeah, you worked was, at two uh, before me. You met no, me. It was three stations. I I would uh, before I, Edmonton, I went to Lloydminster, and then Calgary. Oh, I worked up on the hill at CFCN for a few months. <laughs> I had no and then, idea. Uh, yeah, Ooh, and then uh, Kingsbury said, "Hey, there's a job here in Moose Jaw," and I just thought it was a better opportunity because I was learning at the time, and I didn't. And uh, the station that we worked at in uh, in Moose Jaw was a training ground. Right. I don't think they do they do that. They that was one of the few places that actually kind of happened. Yeah. So all the, all the people in Moffat Communications, the company at the time, uh, a lot of those people could go to the other stations because they all worked. They all had the same kind of systems, the same technologies were all in mm-hmm. all, all their stations. And they just did the things the same way, which also made it easier for us to move into one of those environments. And, so, and uh, it was a great was a great company, Western Canadian company called Moffat Communications. Uh, and you just made me remember something here, Daniel. I got an email oh, or a message the other day from a guy. I don't know if you know him or know the name Rob Carney. He's the station manager at CHAB in Moose Jaw and has been there a long time. Good guy. 
uh, the few times I would go back and visit my parents, and then my, you know, later um, after they passed away, I would always stop into the station and say hi to Rob. And he says, Howard, we're uh, getting prepared to celebrate 100 years of CHAB. That's the station we were talking about. Wow. We're going to start some stuff later this month and bring back the sunspot. Remember the sunspot? The, the CHAB sunshine? Yeah. The, yeah, the sunshine van, yeah. And the, and it was basically a round yellow sticker, kind of like a, a smiley emoji color, but with just the word CHAB on it. And we used to hand out these stickers to people. Anyway, he said, uh, this is an invitation for you to voice a greeting for us. 30 seconds. Something like, hi, this is Humble Howard Glassman. Just congratulate and blah, blah, blah on a century of radio. And I was like, 40, wow. I said, 30 to 45 seconds. I, I need more than that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe we should do one. Yeah. We should do, you should do one, too. I'd love to. Hi, this is oh, Dan Gebert. Yeah. I did Weekends. Before I moved yeah. into a job where I tortured Howard Glassman for two years. <laughs> right. Oh, I was, uh, you know, we're thinking about, we're talking to Jerry Doucette and playing that song. I was just thinking about that old control room that we had at CHAB yeah. and that shitty speaker that was, it was an AM station because so there wasn't stereo uh, at the time. There was not any, you know, great speakers. They had some old from the 30s or something, a speaker that was on the wall. <laughs> and, Sorry. Remember that? Oh, yeah. The headphones were and, better and the big, to listen and the to big the tape speaker, decks yeah. everywhere. And, oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad I saw that because I forgot. I got my memory, man. I completely forgot. Until we started talking about working there again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy wanted me to do that. And we should do that. We should do it for him. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I should do it for the other You may not even know who I was. Uh, well, you, but you were there at a pretty significant time in the station's history. That was when the station was probably one of its most popular periods. Uh, and of course, now look at you. Now you're doing this. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now friends With Humble and Fred News Brought to you by Bodog I'll tell you all about Bodog again in a second First here, Lakeside is Dan Duran Here's a new conspiracy theory That only makes sense if you switch off your brain Dan's internet just crapped out. Because sorry, well, sorry, Bubba. Hey, Danny, Daniel. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah, it's just today. frozen. And Must be the stuttering. sunspot. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, can you start again? Uh, just the literally the first words, and then you just <laughs> just the whole thing over again. I know. Yeah. I know. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, can you hear me now? I can. Is everything smooth? Seems like it. All right. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> me... And now here's Dan Arad. Okay. Uh, here's a new conspiracy theory that only makes sense if you switch off your brain. Okay. Snake venom is in our drinking water because, well, the devil. So last week, uh, remember the pandemic? That that uh, yes, that I do. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's a, a, that style of documentary was came out from a fringe online talk show host, a former bounty hunter, apparently a guy named Stu Peters, and. The video entitled Watch the Water 
which is some sort of QAnon catchphrase, uh, has him interviewing a retired chiropractor, Brian Artis, about his theory that the CDC planted King Cobra venom in COVID-19 vaccines and the water supply in order to transfer satanic DNA to the unsuspecting public. Could you just pause for a second while we all just try and process that? (laughs) Yeah. Could you... And I'm being serious. Can you say the last couple of sentences again? Because I'm just, I don't have it in front of me. I really want to take it in. All right. So the theory is the CDC planted King Cobra venom in COVID-19 vaccines and the water supply. And also in uh, that uh, COVID cure, uh, uh, whatever is it, rem- yeah, yeah. remdesivir. 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 Yeah, that too. That's in right. In order to transfer rem- satanic. <laughs> remdesivir. Yeah, okay. In order to transfer satanic DNA to unsuspecting people. There you go. Wow. Okay, please so, continue. Thank you. I've got so a chance here's, to... here's what the Dr. Artis, former chiropractor, said. I think the plan all along was to get the serpents, the evil ones, DNA into right. your God-created DNA. They're using mRNA, which is mRNA is extracted from, I believe, the king cobra venom. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. But anyway, uh, and they think they want to get that venom inside of you and make you a hybrid of Satan. Well, you know, why not at this point, Dan? Like, you know, uh, there's this whole world out there. We don't even talk much about QAnon lately, but, you know, they believe that JFK Jr. is alive, that they believe John's alive. I saw some posters from a QAnon rally. So why not? You know, the whole idea of the devil as a concept is, you know, ridiculous, and now you've got somebody who's saying out loud, well, it's the devil's venom going into the vaccines. Right. <laughs> Fucking, this, honestly, if, if, if you were pitching that as a premise in a movie, the people would be like, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think it's... T- <laughs> really <laughs> can't suspend our disbelief on this one. <laughs> That's right. You want us... No, I don't think anyone's going to buy that. But sure. Okay. Yeah. That's we can funny. get the stuff in water, you know, the Russians doing something to our systems with the... But we can't, you know, the... Yeah, I don't know if there's enough King Cobra venom kicking around yeah. to make a difference. And I don't know... Like, who has time for this? I don't have, I can't figure out what to watch on TV. You know, like, where are people getting the time to, to jerk off King Cobras and put their venom into... Anyway. Um, Another guy associated with all this is uh, coming out with water filters that will filter uh, of King course. Cobra's venom, of course. Of course. For Thank hundreds you. of dollars. Okay. You know, it's like so. you scratch this whole side of the world and it's always something to do with... Uh, well, and, and if you act now... Uh, do you have a second story, Dan, before I talk to you about uh, the world before legalization? Yes, I uh, just wanted to mention the wrong Robertson died. Dee Dee Robertson, the wife of religious broadcaster Pat Robertson, mm-hmm. uh, a founding member of the Christian Broadcasting Network, the CBN, uh, died Tuesday at her home in Virginia Beach. Beach. She was 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Robertson, the, you know guy who we you know if you watch any kind of religious tv he's been around for a long time mm-hmm. he's 92 he's so i think there's probably a lot of the god guys will be dying soon mm-hmm. well and he's uh you know worth a humble uh 100 mil uh and then there's also jimmy baker he's 82 he's 
frozen up again. He, uh, I'm he's, sorry. Uh, you're, worth you're, $10 million, in the last 30 seconds has just yeah, been a, a nightmare. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It, I, I, I think I'm over really. It's not a All nightmare. Right. It wasn't really so a nightmare. It always happens. Well, it? I know. It's weird because yeah. uh, here you are making your big Fred debut, you know, guest Freddy. Uh, it's interesting yeah. that those guys are worth all that money. And you know what I'm going to say. It's like the people that they're supposed to be helping. And I'm being sincere. Like, I sometimes feel bad for those people. I know it's easy to dismiss them as a bunch of rubes. But the people that are sending or tithing, for you people who aren't familiar with that term, which is to give a percentage of your, I guess, your income or your money to God. The only problem is it's not getting, it's like, uh, you know, when they do those things with charitable organizations where you're supposed to disclose how the money is spent, like how much money actually got to the charity. I'd yeah. like those guys to have to disclose how much money got to God, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, how I much. Too. Yeah, because a lot of the money seems to be going to their aeroplanes. <laughs> yeah. But they're a lavish lifestyle, yeah. which God wanted them to have. But obviously. when you die, when to your, I don't, I didn't, I missed a couple of the net worth. But the, the one I did hear, as you say, this Robertson character had a hundred million dollars. Yeah, Swaggart's got ten. Uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland seven hundred sixty. I'm sorry, seven hundred sixty million. Yeah, he's one of the most disgusting human beings on this planet. Yeah, and I don't know if there. I, well, I do know, but let's say there is a God for a second. When those guys get up there, I want to hear that conversation because what I was getting at was the people that they're supposed to help. Those, you know, those poor people. I, I don't think they understood that they were giving this money to support those people's lifestyles versus, you know, helping themselves. Well, they're they you know you giving uh, up you know some of your income to help others is the whole concept. That's a Christian you know yes. way, and then you're you're supposed to be helping you know I don't know with wells and in other parts of the world and and making life better for uh, the less fortunate than you. And you know yes, it doesn't make any sense that you know Joel Olstein has a hundred million dollars. It just why why? But I mean, how where, could you possibly have? I, that I, I get it. Like the whole the whole point originally was give us some money, give the church money to help the church do its good works for the people. I get it. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of hungry people going. I can't. How come? When do we get to ride the plane? When do we <laughs> help me? Um, anyway, uh, the fact that Kenneth Copeland is worth nearly a billion dollars should tell you everything that is wrong with that whole ridiculous culture you're right all right let's move on to something that is a bit more pleasant Mm -hmm. do i support weed i was on the cover of high time magazine that they didn't put me on the cover because i don't like weed (laughs) so if you don't know that about me i'll just state that and right away you should know that i have uh i'm a big supporter of cannabis as a uh the legalization everything about it but I, I thought because I knew you were going to be hanging out without Fred on this show for a while, I thought, you know, I, Dan and I have been uh, friends since 1978, and I was there. <laughs> I thought, oh, hang on a second, Dookie's back here. Fucking Mr. Uh, Mr. Leg Problem is back. What? His uh, procedure's done? I guess. Like, I don't know. Where's he? Is, he? is he coming back to, does he think there's a meeting? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to interrupt, uh, you know, your show or anything, but <laughs> no, were, that was an in and out procedure. No, or I get you? there, and I yeah. go through this whole registration thing, which is compounded because of COVID. 
you got to th- go through two, you know, barriers, so to speak. And then I go upstairs and they said, oh, the doctor didn't show up today. They're going to phone you. The doctor couldn't make it today. Maybe the doctor was sick. Maybe the doctor had its own her, her own procedure, his own procedure to do. I they couldn't have called me. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe no, they looked weird. at the roster of who's, who they're doing yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to take that nasty thing off Fred's leg. So I get I get in the car, I go over there, I park. It is know, shitty. Which was an adventure in itself. I have to go through two screening processes to get upstairs, and then they tell me, "Oh, the doctor." Well, why wouldn't they have told you as soon as you came in the office? Uh, I don't know, Howard. I don't know. No, seriously. Like, as soon as you walk in, or they phone you and say, oh, by the way, don't come in today. No, they didn't. And then I I came home and I checked my phone and there was no messages. And, you know, you have to go in and you have to talk to these people and they have to give you a new mask. Your mask is not good enough and you have to wash your hands and clean your hands, which is good. Then you got to go over to a kiosk and register yourself. And I did that. And then from there, I had to go around to the outpatient clinic uh, registration. And I did that. And then I went upstairs and then the woman says, oh, the doctor couldn't make it today. And what did you say to her? Well, it's not her fault. I said, well, that's a drag. I said, you know, people take time off well, work, yeah. and I've just paid for parking. And uh, Did you ask for yeah. your parking money back? Yeah, it was only three bucks. You still, it's three bucks you could spend on Principal. something else. Principal. Well, I'm sorry you had to do that, buddy, and you, you know, that sucks. Yeah, but it made for a compelling story at the end of the show. Uh, well, the show, uh, we were just going to launch, I was about to launch into a whole... Uh, I literally was just setting up a whole uh, history of Dan and I smoking weed. And, and okay. now you've you come in. I'm going to bow out because I didn't know. And you guys go ahead. I just wanted to report in. I, no, I mean, you can be part of this conversation, can't it's, you? It's your show. No, 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 no. See, I was afraid. I didn't. I wasn't. Although I was listening on the way over, which was pretty cool. How are you listening? Li- on your phone? I was Bluetoothing it. Oh, come on. I had Facebook up, Bluetoothing it through the car, so I was listening. And Although, how does it sound in the radio? Well, Dan, Dan's quite a bit louder than you are. <laughs> Seriously, you don't want to hear that? Yes, what? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've said, I've told you, <clears throat> and it's not I'll just, turn me down. I'll it's turn not me down. my imagination. It's not. And well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know it's a bit of a running gag in the show. You know, why isn't my mic louder? But Dan uh, is up front and like comes out of it like a radio station, and then you're somewhat. Lower and over there. Well, uh, I don't know what to say about that, because when I hear it, I only ever really monitor the show once I've done the production, the post-production, then I listen to it. And it seems when I listen to it that the three of us are more. Well, by that time, after you've done all this, I've I've done all the sweetening of it. So so what you heard was us on Facebook without the compression put in yes yes so somebody listening to a podcast only doesn't know i don't think they hear it the way we're talking no. about it but i did no. say that dan's I, I told you that when we were having those mic problems i said i should just get whatever mic dan has because it's the best one of the three yes how did jackie um, sound uh on those were you li- yeah okay loud and sharp and shrill um but this mic sounds muddy in that forum yeah yeah I, I don't know what else. Yeah, that's just... Although, it is pretty cool, you know, where technology is nowadays. Like, dicking around from our basement, you can actually drive down the road and listen to a show live. 
<laughs> like, yeah. That's cool. It is cool. You know? And it's kind of like uh, at some point we'll be talking about that story I had mentioned. I thought it was Tony Clement that sent to us, but you, you told me it was some other Tony that Amazon Music or Amazon is creating a an app. If you want to go look it up, it's fascinating. It's called Amp, and it's live radio. It's basically a live radio app for creators to, to basically use this technology to, to have their own live radio station. And what's unique about it, I think, is that Amazon is supporting it with all the free music you want, mm-hmm. like millions of songs. Plus, the other thing I didn't tell you guys is that this, this app allows you to interact with your audience, take calls, go live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And to think the millions that big corporations spend every year to keep their stations on the air. <laughs> Through transmitters and yeah. music rights and uh, wow. Anyway, listen, I feel a bit bad. Don't because, why? Um, this is I just I, this well, is because I just thought I would pop in. I pop hadn't in. been listening for the past since I left the hospital. I didn't listen on the way back. Um, I listened on the way there. Uh-huh. And then I thought, you know, I'll just pop in and give you an update. I didn't know you were about to launch into a very matter. personal, sentimental story. It wasn't. So. It wasn't even sen- well. It was personal, but well, what I, well then you, you can be part of this. It was just I, I don't. I don't need to drag it out. But I thought it was an interesting conversation. Would be an interesting conversation that I was there the day that Dan smoked weed for the first time and went from being Dan Gebert to Dan Duran. <laughs> <laughs> Not immediately, yeah. but I will tell you no. if you if you there the timeline of that journey from geeky minister's son. I had a question, by the way. Just put a pin in that for a second. At your dad's church, now I know I was going to ask you. Did your dad? Did you guys collect money? Yeah, the offering plate. The, yeah, the, the offering plate. Did you did you yeah. ever? So there's a section in the service. There's always an offering. You know, after the sermon, usually yeah. there's a hymn, and then there's usually a, the collection plate goes around, and everybody puts their stuff in. Now, did you ever pocket any of that coin, Dan, for some uh, lickamade? No, no, it's <laughs> that kind of thing we would do. And you know, it wasn't the collection didn't go directly to my dad. It went to the church organization, mm-hmm. and then the church out of the uh, uh, the income from the congregation. Uh, my dad was an employee of the church, basically. Right. So. Hey, Patterson, did you hear that uh, that Kenneth Copeland guy Dan story in the news today was <clears throat> how much these fucking guys are worth? Excuse me, uh, Kenneth Copeland. Mm-hmm. That bug-eyed asshole is worth $760 million. If that were... And Robertson's worth $100 million. I said to Dan, if you ever needed a reason to know that religion is just fucking ridiculous, how is somebody who's supposed to serve baby Jesus worth $760 million? Oh, no. I, yeah, because they're just... They're hucksters. They're con men. You know? Yeah. They got all... And they got their disciples emptying their pockets for them. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful model. How Even old were Joel you? Holstein creep. Oh, he's the worst. How old were you when you smoked uh, your first joint or smoked your oh. first puff of marijuana? Probably 14, 13, 14. Way before me. Yeah. Never did any of that. I was... Uh, my team, my 14, 15, 16, and I was a hockey player, and I you know drank a beer or the odd time. I never smoked weed until I was finished high school. In fact, not until I got into radio. But I was smoking weed for about a year before Dan came along. Mm-hmm. And Dan, 
I, and I and I remember this line. I'm not even making up. I remember Dan got high. We were over at Danny. Well, you were roommates with our friend Danny Kingsbury. Yeah. Seven fifty nine, huh? Shall I That's right. And Dan got high for the first time and literally never left the fridge. It was this. I had this image of Dan with the fridge door open. Just staring mm-hmm. at it, uh, and I remember well, the first part of that though was that I didn't think I was high. Yes, of course. And I thought I sort of got uh, like it's like I it's, I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling anything. And then and right. then I felt something, and I didn't know what it was, <laughs> and I felt sick. And so both you and Kingsbury were walking me on the street a little bit so that I, you know, <laughs> to I bring you down, calm down. <laughs> and then you got first you got high, then you got sick, and then you got hungry. And then I go, wow, this yeah. is interesting. Yeah, like he's he's calmed down, and and Fred's known you in some of this time, but I never met any. I used to say this about Dan: I never met anyone that could drink more or eat more than Dan, and never gain weight. Just one of those guys that had I don't know where he put it, just this endless appetite and capacity. But a lot of it started. In the early days of us getting high, and I, I listen, I'm, we're running out of time because I was going to go into this whole thing, Dan, about how our lives of trying to buy weed or who has the weed, and the reason I thought of it again because I knew you were going to sit in. But you know, yesterday I was looking at my little supply there, which isn't extensive, and I thought, oh, I should go and get some more hash, and I, you know, put on my jacket, walked three doors down from where I live, picked some up, came home, smoked a little bit before dinner, and then there it was, and I thought, you know. Years ago, when you and I first met, even when Fred and I first met, like that operation I just described would have been so much more complicated. And now, mm-hmm. even though it's only been three or four years, we just take it for granted now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, if I may, um, smoking a bit before dinner, why? Uh, I like it. You know, I like the. Usually, I don't. Again, it's like watching TV, I never touch it during the day. And then usually in the evening, whether I'm with Rachel or not, mm-hmm. I usually have a little puff before dinner or around dinner time. And then, you know, I just like it. It's like having a glass of wine or a, mm-hmm. a beer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going, oh, it's time to get high. Just go, I, just, I like the way it makes me feel. It certainly relaxes me, you know, helps me. Mm-hmm. No, it's not like, oh, it's time to get high. It's more like, oh, it's before dinner. I think I'll get high. Yeah. You know, when, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, you know, but for, for sure, the nuance of that, you, nobody's you. right. I am, I'm not being critical. No, no, you're not. I don't feel like, no. I, yeah, I guess I do it to get high and, but I don't, that's kind of my usual every day. And Rachel, I make her a little drink, whether we're, whether we're making dinner together, I'll make her a drink and then I have a little puff and. I like to have a little puff and then have fake beer. I don't know why I like that association. Well, it's nice the way you wind down your day. By the way, I said 13. I shouldn't say 13. That was grade 8. I didn't smoke my first joint until grade 9 when I was at the high school and the older kids were there and the influence and the school dances. I never even saw it. Like, I'd be honest with you, I was a bit of a, I guess, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't hang around with that crowd. Mm-hmm. Did you smoke it in high school? Well, no, of course you didn't, Dan, because I was there the first time you did it. But I, uh, yeah, I no, never no, but I, I never was near it. I yeah. just uh, same thing. Mike, the crowd I hung with was not uh, was not a crowd that had anything to do with that kind of thing. That foolishness, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have allowed myself to get near any people that did that. Did you drink beer in high school? Uh, I'm just thinking. I think the first drink I had, yeah, well, a little bit earlier than that was like I uh, had a, a little bit of. Uh, I think my first drink I remember drinking was a Harvey Wallbanger. <laughs> yeah. Remember our parents made fucking, uh, what was that s- sweet drink, the grasshopper or some shit? 
I don't know. Oh, my be. Our host was Ryan Coke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't even drink beer till later in high school. Our first drunken, our drunken uh, <laughs> dances, it was either cheap wine mm-hmm. or lemon gin. Yeah, lemon gin. Beer I was, I really didn't have a taste for beer until I was older. I don't know if many people listening can relate to that, but I certainly can. My first real, like, got sick on alcohol was lemon gin. Like, fuck. Like puking on lemon gin. But but as anyway, we, we don't we can talk about the weed. Just, just the fact that it was four twenty today that I've spent I've known this man, Dan, you know, since, you know, for 44 years and we have been smoking weed in every decade since. And I just remember being whether it was California or in Calgary or Vancouver or wherever we've been or to Amsterdam, Amsterdam. I got so high in Amsterdam with Dan, I had to leave the museum and go lay down. <laughs> Do you remember that? I got, I was just, we were looking and there's some famous museum. And at one point I tugged on Dan's jacket and said, I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I, was, we were, I remember, I remember being in the back of some, uh, one of those coffee houses there. Yes. Next to one of the canals in the very, very back. And then somebody came up to you and recognized you from your, uh, your My kids, kids show, uh, t- kids show days. <laughs> TV days. That's right. Yeah. I got recognized smoking weed, but that wasn't as weird as being recognized with Dan in a strip club. I, that's a fuck. You know that story? No, Fred. Do you know the story? No, I'd love to hear it. So I, I was. Uh, we've talked about. It. I'm not much of a strip club guy, but I was leaving uh, Calgary. Dan and I were moving to California. My brother Dan, David, my or sorry, Dan, my brother David. I think Lou Skeezes was there. We go to the strip club. First time I've been in years because I had this kids show and I was always a bit nervous about running into somebody hosting a children's show of seeing me in a strip club. Long story short, I do this thing where they, where you know, you lay down on the your head on the floor and they put the money in your mouth and then they lean over and they grab the money from oh, your right. mouth. Yes. You know that oh. trick. Oh yes. At right. the moment, the young lady leaned over to grab the money from my mouth. I hear a guy say, "Humble, <laughs> humble, <laughs> my kids love you." And I'm like, "Fuck!" One time, I'm in I've a strip club. I've been ID'd. As a woman is taking money from my mouth with her body part. Uh, thanks to Jackie Budden. Uh, thanks to uh, Dan Duran. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out, doing a little guest Fred turn. That was great. Uh, we look forward. over. Maybe tomorrow we can talk a little bit about. Uh, well, there's a couple things that I wanted to get to. Uh, there's a story that'll drive Fred crazy about the amount of shit that the average Canadian goose produces each day. I know it's out of it's out of control. I know. Okay. I read the article. Oh, you Vancouver. did. Vancouver. It's to the point now where it's just unsanitary and unhealthy. Something's okay. got to be done about it. Well, we'll talk about that. Also, a, a friend of our show here has uh, tried stand up for the first time, and I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Fred Who? Ball, uh, Tom, little baby Tom. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, by the way, hang on a second, Dan. Let's not. Okay. Now that Fred's back, uh, Fred Ball sent me a note about your discussion, Freddie. Yeah. The Formula One discussion? Yeah. This yeah. was from an hour ago. See, Ballsy said, I said to Fred, you guys blew it. It was a Monday. Howard is talking about the Netflix F1 show and how it has increased the fan base of F1. Yet the first race of the season was on Sunday. And here you guys are talking about the show and one day later never mentioned the first race of this race of the season. Right. Leaving us to wonder how many new fans the Netflix show has really created. 
That was his point. Right. Well, I don't know what to say. That's I, basically I, what I said. He, you know, he finds, you know, the reaction to the show a little disingenuous. That's all. Well, yeah. I mean, but that you can still like what you see in a documentary without right. necessarily, you know, planning to watch F1 on, you know, Sunday morning. But no, I mean, and it needs a it needs a show like that because. What kind of a no mind's going to sit there and watch cars go around in a circle for three hours? <laughs> Fred Ball. All right, Dan, take us home now. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, and Health Gauge. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember to listen tomorrow for full F1 coverage. <laughs> like and Dan. subscribe. Did a great job. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. We can just kind of think of just, just clap your hands. Just clap your hands. Where's that?